Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. service tonight and they are having I know an amazing time tonight with evangelist Landon Gore is going to be with us this week Sunday morning and Sunday night I pray that God would let us have another week of revival y'all pray about that wouldn't that be something how many love being at the house of God praise the name of the Lord go ahead and magnify him he's with us he's for us always beside us amen in the book of Samuel, if you would turn there with me. First Samuel chapter 25. It is a I'm on a I'm gonna teach you tonight, preach, bring something to you that I have before. And uh but I made a statement Sunday that I believe tonight will bring clarification. I prayed a prayer this morning that I pray often for the body, this congregation. I ask God for three specific things for you. I ask God to preserve you. I ask God to protect you. And I ask God to prosper you. Depending on the weather, I'll walk the perimeter of the entire property, asking God to preserve, to protect the congregation as a whole. And then as the Lord leads me, I pray for you individually, walking up and down these aisles and in these rows, praying for your name and your family and your children. And I pray that prayer as well. I've never had true understanding of what I was praying until this morning what it means to be preserved, what it means to be protected. Certainly preservation and protection can sound so similar. At the same time, they can be so different. There is a scriptural principle that God gave me several years ago that I'm going to teach you from tonight that will open your eyes to some stories in the scripture and you'll never see it the same after tonight. And uh, if you would... With that being said, would you turn to 1 Samuel chapter 25, reading with verse 1. 1 Samuel 25 and reading with verse 1. It's great to be in church on a Wednesday night. It really is. I love what I feel here. No place I'd rather be. Amen. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Even on Wednesday, amen. It says, and Samuel died. Very key that you understand that the chapter starts with these three words, and Samuel died. Then it proceeds. And all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him and buried him in his house at Ramah. 
There's three, three more words that is building the narrative of this chapter. It says, and David arose. So to understand the point is that it says, and Samuel died. Then the next thing that's building the story is, and David arose. The story is about David. The death of Samuel is about the timing with David. Do you understand that? The story is going to be about David. The death of Samuel is going to talk about this moment of time for David. The story is not about Samuel dying. The story is its effect on David at this moment. It reads on and says, it reads on and says, and David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. There was a man in Maon whose possessions were in Carmel. The man was very great, meaning wealthy. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. He was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Verse 3 says, Now the name of the man was Nabal. This is not Naboth as in Naboth's vineyard. This is Nabal, completely different person. And the name of his wife, everybody say Abigail. She was a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance. But the man was churlish and evil in his doings, and he was of the house of Caleb. Look at your neighbor and say, this story is about David. I'd like to preach to you, teach you tonight on simply on this subject, the two voices of transition. The two voices of transition. Would you look at your neighbor and say, there's two voices in every transition. Amen. Open your heart, lift your hands, and I want you to ask God to speak to you where you are right now. Would you do that? Hallelujah. We love you. We thank you for your word. What you're doing, Lord, tonight in this church. I pray that you would do great things in here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This morning in my prayer time, I asked God to do three things. Praying for our pastors in this church, specifically early this morning. I ask God to preserve them, to protect them, as well prosper them. In my prayer, I begin to pray. If you know anything about prayer, after a period of time, you start praying with the Lord and not just praying to the Lord. How many know there's a difference? It starts off praying to the Lord, then it becomes praying with the Lord. You begin to pray prayers of revelation. You begin to understand while you are praying. God begins to show you things to pray specifically for. How many can relate with that? It's a great experience if you have not been there yet. And it comes in time and certainly it is praying in the spirit. But what I've learned this morning, I begin to say, God, I ask you to preserve them from within and I ask you to protect them from without. Everybody in this room, we understand that you can be overtaken in a fault. We understand that the fiery darts of the wicked come from without. We talk about things like the shield of faith that's protecting us from enemies attacking without us. But what we don't understand sometimes is the enemy within us. In us, he said, is no what? No good thing. Verses like in Romans when it said, I would do good, but evil is present with me because sin is within my members. I would do good, then I would do what I didn't want to do. I end up doing something I didn't want to do. Why? Because sin is within 
me. I realize that in our culture to say that we hear voices in our head, we would be labeled as crazy or have schizophrenic or some mental illness. But the fact of the matter is, everybody in this room has voices of some sort within. Primarily voices of insecurity that we deal with that make us feel. I'm not talking about audible voices. I'm not talking about hearing voices. I'm talking about something within that seems to speak to you to make you feel they don't like you. They didn't shake your hand. They, you're not welcome there. You're not good enough. Anybody ever relate with that? You'll never be accepted. Those type of voices that are there. His name was David. David is known for being primarily what? Anybody know what King David was known for? He killed a giant. That's what we think of when we think of him. He was known for being a giant killer. But when you began to study David, there, was, there is a transitional period where he's going from a shepherd boy to becoming the king of Israel. That is quite a transition. He's not, he's not coming from just one of the boys in the palace or a prince to a king. No, he's going from someone that no one knows going to transition into somebody that everybody knows. Everybody say a transition of life. Life's full of transitions. I, 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 I know there's a transition in, in for all of us. How many remember your first day of high school? Anybody remember that? You're going from a, where some people know you to hardly anybody knows you. and you go, they, they tell you to teach your kids on the first day of high school to wear their best outfit. Why? Because it's a specific day of transition to where they will feel a part. You go from the first day of high school, you go from being a youth to a young adult. You go, how about this transition, from being single to being married? Was that a transition? My life is not my own. That's really from going to be married to having children. That should be the theme song, from being married to having children. Can I get a witness from somebody? How about from being married to not being married? It's a transition. It really is. Facing a quiet house alone as a widow or widower. Going through a divorce. Transitions of life. How about from going from being a student to an employee? Being employed to become the boss. Everybody say it's, it's a transition. How about going from being a sinner to a saint? Thank God I'm no longer the life and the person I used to be. When I not only transition from sinner to saint, but then all of a sudden we can possibly be a saint to entering our purpose in ministry. And no longer just being here to thank God and receive, but now you're carrying responsibility of ministries and people are now depending on you and you're trying to battle through all the insecurity of being needed and valued. And it is simply a transition. How about from going to be a minister in the church to being the pastor? I'll never forget standing here and I was now the new pastor of the, of the Apostolic Gospel Church, which is now the anchor. But I was standing right here and a precious saint came to me after church and they asked me some question I didn't know the answer to. I'd like to have a dollar for every time somebody asked me a question I didn't have the answer to. They came up to me and they said, ask me some question. I said, 
well, you know, why, why don't you go ask Bishop Ferris? And they said, he sent me to you. <laughs> that was a transition. I wanted to look over my shoulder and find somebody else to send them to, but I had to find the answer. Going from just being a minister in the church to becoming the pastor in the church, it is a transition. How about from going from being a pastor to a bishop or a bishop into retirement? How about from going to being an employee for all your life and then retire? You know, you, you can talk about it, but you don't know what it looks like. And in the process of that, you are going to morph or change through a transition. And the problem with transitions, every transition, no matter whether it's progress or digress, is going to have voices in it. A man called me years ago, maybe five, six, seven years ago when God gave me this revelation. He called me on a, on a Saturday night. I was spending time with my family. We were in our basement hanging out and my phone rings later than usual. He said, hey, 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 Brother Bounds. He told me who he was and I knew him. He's my friend. Hey, it's so-and-so. And he said, I am in a transition right now in my life. He said, I have been asked to be the pastor of my home church that I grew up in. You know, I've pastored in another city, but now they've brought me home to be the pastor of the mother church. And, and uh, he said, I, uh, I've been dealing with a lot of darkness that has surrounded me. And he said, it's been very troubling. He said, I asked the Lord, why am I going through what I am going through? And he said, the Lord said to me, call Aaron Bounds, he has the answer. Well, he called me and I did have the answer. Instantly, the Lord told me to say, give him a word. Thank God for the move of the Holy Ghost. How many know we are his people and the sheep of his pasture? He speaks through your pastor, but you belong to the Lord, not to me. Can you say amen? And I did have an instant answer from the Lord. And I said to him, this darkness that you are feeling, it's nothing but a distraction from the enemy. You are in a transition. And I said, do not pay attention to this darkness. Do not pay attention to what you're feeling. You are who God says you are. You are who you are when you're preaching and when you're praying, that's who you are. Don't listen to all this stuff on the left and right. God has called you. This is who you are. When I did, he instantly started speaking in other tongues. We begin to pray. You could feel the witness of the spirit that what I was telling him was of the Lord. We hung up praying together and I when I hung up the phone, I laid the phone down in my basement, the chair I was sitting in, and I said to the Lord, what do you mean? What do you mean it was a distraction? I didn't know the clarity of what I told this man. And the Lord said to me this. He said, when David was transitioning to be the king of Israel, he said Nabal was a distraction to him. Now listen. I know who Naboth is. I did not know who Nabal was. I have never recalled a message ever in my life preached about Nabal. But I had to word search. Aren't you glad nowadays when God speaks to us, we don't have to get the strongest dictionary out. We can just type the name. And I'm glad even the updated versions helps you even when you spell it wrong to give you options. I'm not the best speller in the world and don't, don't talk about my grammar here tonight. Amen. And... Um, I typed in Nabal and it brought up 1 Samuel 25 and I began to read it. That in chapter, chapter 25, it starts off with three words, and Samuel died. Oh, Samuel died. If you 
words later, and David arose. Where was he at this moment? I'm going to tell you where he was. He was running from Saul. David had been anointed to be the king of Israel. The anointing of the Lord was upon him. Samuel had anointed David with a horn of oil and said, you are the captain of Israel. You're the one that God has chosen. Don't forget that he anointed him while King Saul was still king. You are the king of Israel. He had to do it in secret. He had to do this in secret because the King Saul would have had anybody killed that's bringing a threat to his throne. It's not a chapter later that David is faced with Goliath and when Saul was afraid, David is in confidence and faith and David takes a stone with a slingshot and kills Goliath and they begin to sing in the streets. Saul's killed his thousands but the no-name boy from the side of the hill that nobody ever heard of started saying, but David has killed his tens of thousands. Jealousy comes over Saul. David's the one that's anointed. He's taking javelins off of his side and throwing them at David at the dinner table after he had married Michael because he's jealous of who this boy is. And David is rejected and runs away and, and flees into the wilderness and he ends up in a cave. You know, sometimes God calls us to greatness and it ends up, we, we are pushed out of comfort zones and the way we expected the call of God to happen is not how it happens. Sometimes you get rejected by people that should be supporting you. Sometimes you get rejected by people that should admire what God is doing, but that's not what happened. He gets knives thrown at him. He has to flee now this place in the, in the, in the, in the kingdom. Ends up in a cave of Adullam. One point frothing at the mouth in chaos and confusion at the gate of Gath. And, and it, it because of the enemies that he is fleeing from things trying to destroy him in the midst of a transition. That's the truth. 400 men show up in David's lowest moment. I feel like preaching a little bit right now. David is at his lowest moment in 1 Samuel 22. He's in the cave of Adullam and 400 men find him there. And they said, we want you to be our captain. David has fled from Gath. They even kicked him out of the Philistine camp. They knew who he was. Are you not the one that killed Goliath? Here he is at the gate. Uh, seemingly homeless. Here he is at the gate. He's anointed of God. He's rejected by the king. He's fleeing for his life. He ends up in a cave, hiding in a cave. And 400 men show up and said, would you be our captain? Would you lead us? We want you to be the leader of us. We want to follow you where you go. Hold on a minute. I'm homeless. What are you doing following me? You know what? They could see in him what he could not see in himself at one of the lowest states of his life. And what you've got to start learning is sometimes transitions make you feel worse and others can see really the greatness that is still in your life and you're trying to hide in a, hide in a cave of insecurity and inadequacy and not feeling good about it. But you need to listen to what the church is saying. You need to listen to what the believers are saying. There's something great in you. There's something powerful in you. I realize you're going through some things, but you've got it. You've got it. The hand of the Lord is on your life. Somebody say amen. amen. Saul's trying to kill him. 400 men following him. He, 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 ends up, he ends up on the side of the mountain with these same men at a specific, specific time. Saul's trying to kill him. He gets up on the side of this mountain at a time when Samuel 
dies. Now listen, Samuel dying was a grief to the entire nation. Samuel was a prophet that the Bible says that not one of his words ever fell to the ground. Well, what's the role of Samuel in the narrative? I'm gonna tell you what the role of Samuel was. The role of Samuel was simply this. Samuel was the voice of validation to David. Samuel was the one that said, you're gonna be the king. You're, you're the one that the hand of the Lord is upon. You're the one that God has anointed. You're the one that God's, he's the one that poured the oil over his head and God used him mightily. And he is at this moment transitioning to become what his pastor, what the minister, what the prophet said, Samuel said he's gonna become. And when this happens, he dies. Where's the voice now that says I am what God says I am? The voice now of validation, the voice of prophecy, the voice of encouragement, the voice that has called him has now been silenced. And he ends up my goodness, I feel this tonight. We need voices of encouragement. Come on, that's what makes the church the church. The devil can say all week what he wants to from without, but you get to the house of God and God reassures you, this is what I said I'm gonna do. Church is not a place where I just go fulfill religious obligation. Uh -uh. There's a blessing over my children. There's a blessing over my ministry. There's a blessing over my family. That's why you come to the house of God because you are reminded again what God is saying to you. It is a heavenly place. Somebody shout with me, God is gonna bless me. When the enemy comes in like a flood, I'm gonna raise up a standard against him. What's that standard? The banner over me is love. God loves me. God, oh, he loves me, yes, I know. For the Bible tells me so. I think we ought to stand to our feet for a minute and thank God for a word of assurance, for a word of prophecy, for a word that has been spoken life to us. Hallelujah! In the name of Jesus. In the name of the Lord. Somebody shout in the name of Jesus. You, if you only understood, you may be seated, if you only understood what I had to battle against when I come to the house of God. I, I, I realize the devil has voices. I realize the devil speaks as well. He comes as a roaring lion. He even told Simon Peter, he said, Satan desires to sift you as wheat, but I prayed for thee that your faith fail thee not. I come here tonight not to preach as much about external voices as I have come to preach about internal voices. It's the voice within you that's more dangerous than the voice without you. It is the voice that you sleep with at night. It's the voice that talks when the TV is turned off, when the phone is off. It's the voice that you can't get away away from. It's the voice. You can go to the top of the Teton Mountains and have vacation. You can get on a cruise boat and drive four or five thousand miles somewhere around the oceans but can't get away from the voice. You can go a lot of places. You can even have a lot of transitions. You can have a lot of money but you can't get away from the voice that's within. It's a voice. It's a voice that's not of the devil. It's a voice that's not even of God. It's a voice that's in your flesh. It's a voice that, not, that is not heard by others but maybe is seen. It's a voice from within. I was going to preach this message to a conference in Columbus 
several years ago, the two voices of transition. I um, saw something happen in the story while I was studying it because here's sort of how the story unfolds. David is in the mountains of Paran. Uh, the man that lives there is named Nabal. All through the forest, you would have seen a thousand sheep. You would have also seen in the forest, this area, you would have seen 3,000 goats. David's not only running for his life with several hundred men that are following him, he's running from Saul. He's there grieving the loss of a voice of prophecy. Everybody needs a voice of encouragement. That's why we struggle when mom dies. That's why we suffer when dad dies. That's why when grandma or grandpa or that specific auntie, aunt, maybe a close friend, what am I going to do without them? That's what I felt when Bob Spring died that would come to my office every Sunday, peek his head through the door for 25 seconds, say, just checking on you, want to tell you I love you, pastor. And after church would meet me and say, that's the type of preaching we need right there. Voices of encouragement. Voices of validation. Voices that make us feel valued. Can I get a witness from some real people in the building? Amen. A text from Brother Sharp that would say, thank you, pastor. That's what we need. Everybody, if you're wearing skin tonight, you need a voice of encouragement. If you got shoes on, well, if you don't have shoes on, you still need it. Amen. Never know about some of you hillbillies coming out of the country up here in this church. Listen to me tonight. But all of us need voices of encouragement. And I was reading through here, studying to preach, and I, I come across a little something in this. this hold on, there, there's, there's 3,000 goats. There's 1,000 sheep. There's a Nabal. He's got a wife named Abigail. She seems to be pretty good countenance about hell. He's churlish. He's evil. Seems to be a hateful man. And somehow I read through there and went something like this. We're hungry. It's one thing to be mourning. It's another thing to be mourning and hungry. It's one thing to be mourning. It's another thing to have somebody chase you and then still be hungry. At the end of the day, it's just bad enough just to be hungry. Look at your neighbor and say, amen. Y'all responded like you just had a big dinner before you got to church tonight. I ate too much myself. But when you're hungry, he was hungry. As you've heard me say before, he's not only hungry, he's hangry. He's upset. He's frustrated. He looks around. When you're hungry, you're not seeing lambs, sheep, and goats. You're seeing lamb chops, rump steak, and back straps. Are you with me? He looked at the guys with him. He said, you know what you ought to do? I've never stolen anything in my life, but why don't we do this? I'm hungry. Why, why, are you hungry? Yeah, you look like you're starving. Amen. <laughs> starving. But I'll tell you what. Why don't you eight guys go down and ask the owner of all these sheep and goats and go ask him and see. Let's go see if he would let us take a few of them. We'll try to pay or whatever, but would he let us eat some of these? We'll process them. But would you go get permission? Well, yeah. Yeah, Dave, we'll go. They get on the horses and away they went. They come all the way down and they found Nabal there. The crew was shearing the sheep. They're taking care of business. And they said, hey, we are, we're with David. 
and uh, he was just wanting to know if we could have some of the sheep and a few of the goats, and we're pretty hungry. And this is the response of Nabal. Nabal says, are you ready? He said, who is David? Somebody shut that door for me. He said, who is David? Everybody say, who is David? He doesn't stop there. He said, who is David? He said, who is the son of Jesse? The Bible says that he railed on him. Does that term sound familiar? Sounds like something that happened at the cross, doesn't it? He wasn't saying, please first just tell me who David is. I don't know who David is. No, everybody knows who David is. Every kid, every kid in the Hebrew camps, every, every kid at, at the Jewish schools are running around with slingshots in their pocket. Every boy around's got a slingshot. They're acting like they're standing on each, they're holding each other on each other's shoulders. One of them's acting like two of them's acting like they're the giant. Here they are out in the playground, and, and, and little Jimmy out here, oh, he's acting like he's David. He's got a shepherd's bag down here, and he acts like he throws a, a rock out of slingshot, and the two boys fall down in the playground. Gotcha! They're laid out on the ground, and the little Jimmy comes on rocking, he puts his foot up there, grabs that Goliath's imaginary sword. That's one of them's head off. And they, that's what was going on. That's what kids do. Everybody knows who David is. If there was a Times Square in Jerusalem, there would have been a big old banner hanging down of David with a slingshot. What I'm saying to you, he was not saying, I've never heard of David. Who is David? He's saying, who is David? He's questioning David. Who is David? Then he didn't stop there. He said, who is the son of Jesse? Now, when you read it, David's, they, they come back with no food. That's bad enough. But they come back and David said, where's the food? They said, he railed on you. Hold on. What? He railed on you. Well, what did he say? He said, who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? When this outside voice says this, it stirred something in him that David goes crazy. He lost it. Veins popped out in his neck. He grabs his sword. He tells the men with him, all of it, get your sword. He said, we're going to the camp. We're going to kill every male that's there. A a anything that's a male, a anything of his sheep, anything that he owns that's a male, we're going to kill it all. And David, in a haste, in a fury, red-faced with a sword drawn, is going to go to a stranger's house that said something about him. He doesn't even know who this guy is. He's chasing a voice that does not matter. Truthfully, because there's a voice within that he cannot silence. It's really not name always after. It's a voice inside he can't get rid of. And I asked the Lord, I said, I don't understand. I don't understand why David would lose his mind over Nabal. Why would David lose his mind? Going to go kill this man. That doesn't even matter. He has no influence in his future. He's a, he's a Facebooker. He's a social media poster. I don't know. I'm just throwing things out there. Somebody that has no relevance, authority, or power in his future. He's taking a bunch of men to go kill everything that belongs to him. It makes no logical sense, but he's angry. And he chases after that voice. And I, I was, it was a 
Friday night and I was laying in bed and, and studying, trying to figure out. I, I got so confused at his response that I went back and read every chapter from chapter 16 when they got anointed all the way to chapter 25 and beyond. I couldn't find the answer, but the thought came to me. Who was David's mother? I thought, we know Jesse is his father, but never mentioned of his mother. Who was his mother? And uh, I fell asleep, actually, sort of like this. My pillow, going to sleep with the question of who is David's mother. I wake up the next morning, go to the meeting to preach, and Dr. James Hughes was the preacher before me. And he got up and he preached before I preached this message, and this was the title of his message, is who was David's mother? I thought, hallelujah, God heard my prayer. And he tells this, he tells this um, a story that's not in scripture that's supposed to be a Jewish history that his mother's name was Nedzepet. That when David, when she was pregnant with David, that she was falsely accused of having um, a relationship with someone else. That he was going to be conceived from an adulterous, that she was going to conceive David from an adulterous relationship. She wasn't put away, but she was kept in the house. But it appeared in Jewish history, this is what I quote him saying, I've also read the article that he's referring to, is that David grew up in a house where his dad didn't think he was his son. So this, this chapter in Psalms, that David makes this statement in the Psalm he wrote, he said, I'm a foreigner in my own house. I am an alien to my brothers. When someone's accused of lying or stealing in the street, they say, it's me because I am a fatherless child. David appears to grow up in his dad's house, not welcome or uh, there, but not apart. He's there, but doesn't feel apart. He's in the same house, but he's not allowed to eat at the same table that David grew up feeling rejected from his dad from the time that he was born, as well as his own mother was rejected, according to Dr. Hughes. That this, isn't it interesting that it appears that David is writing this about being a foreigner to his brothers, an alien in his own house, a stranger from those that he's supposed to be blood related to and then he grows growing up in this house and all of a sudden there's a voice of God that comes down to the prophet of the Lord said I want you to go to Jesse's house and I want you to anoint one of his sons to be my king and Samuel gets up, he goes to Jesse's house, he stands before, his, uh, before Jesse and he said the Lord has sent me to your house to anoint the next king of Israel and uh, he said okay and so who does he get? He goes and gets seven of the eight. Eliab stands before him and, and he takes the horn of oil. He steps, Samuel steps, the prophet steps toward Eliab. And when he does, the Lord said, oh, it's not him. I refused him. The Lord doesn't see as man seeth. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And that's what the Lord spoke to Samuel. And the next one came in and the next one came in. And number three, four, five, six, and seven. And finally the Lord didn't give the prophet any, any release on the anointing. Any of Je He said, Jesse, do you not have any more sons? Well, there's one keeping the sheep. It would be said that for the first time in David's life, He's about to be recognized. You do belong here. This is your family. This is who you are. 
you've been lied on. This is not the story that you've been told. And David, he says this statement to Jeff. He said, We're not, none of us are going to sit until he gets here. And all of a sudden, some, one of the servants, somebody went down to get David. And David comes. And when he comes up over the hill, from that, from that, from that hill, from keeping the sheep, when he comes up over, when Samuel locks eyes with him, the Lord said, this is him. This is the son of Jesse. This is the one that's going to be the king. And when he takes a horn of oil and pops that wax a cork top off of that and he pours it over his head for the first time in David's life his mother is now validated she's, she's been falsely accused for many many years what was said about her was not true David not being a part of his brothers it really wasn't true and for the first time David felt a part of something that he had been rejected from somebody say amen and I come to preach to you when you get in the house of God, the devil will do everything he can to tell you you don't belong here. These are not your people. You're not going to be accepted here. That is a lie from without. You don't need to believe any report of the enemy. Come on, I'm preaching to you tonight. You do belong in the house of God. You do belong here. Somebody say amen. And when Nabal... When Nabal was saying David is now not only a, bro a son to Jesse, not only is he brothers, a brother to his brothers, and his mother is now faithful, but we find something so interesting. He's now anointed to be the king. But he lives in the insecurity of how he was raised. He lives with this insecurity. Am I really accepted? Will my brothers receive me? Will I, will I be loved by my father? This is deep rooted in him. Is he accepted now? Has it been validated by the preacher? Has it been validated by God and the prophet? Absolutely has been validated. But there's this voice within because he was rejected for so long in his childhood. There's a verse that Jesus says and it's this way. He said if you offend one of these little ones these moldable Play-Doh kids that are formable and shapeable in the first 25 years of their life. In those years, formable years, especially younger, and it wanes over time, but still, those young children, when they become hurt, it shapes their direction. I've counseled more people over the years because of something that happened when they were three, they were five, they were teenagers, and it formed something in their mind, in their spirit, that created voices that says, you're not valuable, you're not loved, you'll never be accepted. And they fight not the devil. They fight a voice from within that says you, you were rejected by them, you'll never be accepted by them. But I come to preach against that voice here tonight. It's not a voice of God and it's not the voice of the devil. It's a voice from within you that can be fed by voices from without. I come to preach to you, you are who God says you are. Quit living in the rejection of your yesteryear. Quit basing your future on what somebody that should have loved you should have done. No, 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 no. I'm going to future in him. It's been washed away. I have been anointed and called for a purpose. I take it a little further. A mistake that you made years ago tries to define you for who you're supposed to be. And if you say, I failed then, I'm probably going to fail again. That's not a voice of God. That's not the voice of the devil. That's a voice of insecurity. But you know what? You need to turn your 
verbiage around and say, I can do all things through Christ, uh, which strengthens me. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have been made new. I come to preach to you. You can have faith to say, I can win. I'm going to be victorious. I'm going to be, I wish somebody would help me preach on a Wednesday. I'm going to be blessed. My marriage is going to be blessed. My children are going to be blessed. The hand of God is going to be on my life. Come on, clap your hands and praise him all over this building. Somebody say amen. I'm not going to let the abuse of yesterday determine my tomorrow. I will not allow the brokenness of yesterday to make me feel incomplete tomorrow. I'm not going to let the rejection of yesterday cause me to not to be accepted tomorrow. No, 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 no. I am a child of God. I've got royal blood in my veins. The hand of the Lord is upon my life. Somebody shout, I am who God says I am. You can walk out of a church with preaching like tonight and say, I am going to do something. But all it takes is one low moment. Are you sure? You really think you're called? Do you really think that smile was real? They're putting on the front. They really don't like you. The devil didn't say it. God didn't say it. The voice from within. When I pray for you tonight, it's God protect them from the voices without. The fiery darts of the enemy. Lying tongues and false prophets. But God, I need you to do more than protect them. I need you to preserve them from their own insecure places. Somewhere dormant deep down inside of them. Listen, I've been to hospitals talking to people Pastored people, you can be seated that get the shingles. Shingles. One of the worst cases I've ever seen was from Bud Woods. Went to see him. He had shingle that started here that like a major scab went over his eyes. Still hasn't fully recovered. Going on three years or more with that. Shingles. But I've had, I've had people to tell me, I'm like, how'd you get shingles? One of them said, because I'm old. Somebody else said because they were stressed. I've seen others say because my immunity was weak and compromised. They said that shingles can be in your eyelid and you not know it for 45 years, 50, 60 years, just there. But in a moment of weakness, age, immunity, even stress, it exposes itself. By a moment. It was there all the time. Live life without it. Never thought it happened to you. Mindy, am I telling this right? Dormant in an eyelid. Dormant in somewhere in the body. All of a sudden it surfaces to a scab that you never thought you had it. But in a moment of weakness. As I would say, not only in a moment of weakness. A moment of transition. When the person walks out of your life, whether on purpose or by death, all of a sudden you find things surface within you that you didn't know were there. Be careful how you judge people that make decisions. Because until you put their shoes on, raised in their house, went through what they went through, 
and say, I'd have never done what they did. How did they do what they did? If you'd have lived their life, went through, listen, God has to be the judge. Two people commit the same sin and have two different judgments because of where they come from, what they did. Now I'm going to talk for a moment about the voice without. <laughs> oh, God. Don't ever go to the altar and say, I'm glad I'm not them. Jesus taught us that. You say, oh, God, I'm the sinner. I'm the weakness. I've had my moments. Any of you ever had a bad day? Or are you perfect in all your ways? You know, those people didn't show up tonight. Been nice, wouldn't it? I guarantee they don't go down the church down the road either. There's none good, no, not one. We all got clay feet. Sinful background. Make decisions based upon things that happen to us. Everybody in the room has done that. Somebody goes through something, oh, I can't believe it. Fold your arms and snarl your nose and lift your nose as if you're better, but you're not better. You just got a different perspective. There's a voice without that I'll talk to you here for a moment. His name is Nabal. Nabal doesn't just ask any question. Nabal asked the question. It was like, it was like a scud missile. It was like an accurate rifle. It was like the most skilled archer from the enemy that could not have hit more of the 12 center ring of the target. No wavering off. Hit the mark of David's most insecure moment. And it was not really who is David. That was part of it. Because who do you think you are to be the king? Who do you think you are to be anointed? Who do you think you are? Who's the son of Jesse? <laughs> All my life I grew up feeling like I wasn't a son to Jesse. Rejected by my brothers. The Bible in the term of the Hebrew was called a bastard child. It was rejected and frowned on to be born out of wedlock. But that's how he grew up. That they made fun of him in the gates. They talked bad about this situation. They whispered about him. And he grew up rejected. For the moment he seemed to have success and it turned against him. And here he's hungry and the one voice that made him feel apart is now dead and he's hungry. And at the lowest point, lowest point he's had in years, some stranger said, who's the son of Jesse? And it, it tore something within him and maybe everybody in this building can't relate with what I'm preaching, but I know exactly what I'm preaching here right now. We've grown up in a city, in this city of dysfunction and brokenness and, and brokenness in families and brokenness in bodies and brokenness in mind and rejected by this and cast away by this and raised in this and you come to church wanting to do good, but you're like Paul. This is every time I try to do good, there's sin within me and I can't do what I want to do because I've got this voice that said you're not good enough to be righteous. You're not good enough to go to church. You're not good enough to have a family. You're not good enough to do this because I come to tell you, you got to be careful also. Not only the voice within, you got to be careful to listen to the voices without... It is a satanic voice. The Bible says it was evil. It was churlish. It's bringing up something that nobody else can really bring up. Oh, but he hits a target center and David loses it, ready to throw it all the way for a voice that's insignificant. The question really is not who is David. It's who is Nabal. Who are you? 
Who, who, who are you? That's the question. And I would have to ask the anointed king, why are you chasing a voice that has no significance in your future? Why are you chasing some storyline? Why are you chasing some, some story? Why are you chasing some voice that's saying that you can't? You need to hold on to the voices that really matter. There was an anointed prophet that none of his words ever fell to the ground. And if he said you're going to be the king, it doesn't matter who's trying to kill you, who's trying to come out. You're going to be the king. Come on, your failure can't stop it. Nothing can stop it. Your mistake cannot stop it because God says it's going to happen. Somebody shout, it's going to happen. I think God, you look at your neighbor and say, God's going to bless me. Somebody shout, I am blessed. I have been blessed. And I'm about to get more blessing. If you believe that, you ought to clap your hands like you mean it right now. God's going to bless me. Come on, I come to battle for, I come to fight for every born again believer in this room that the devil's been lying to you. Come on, you belong here. He is your father. God's got an anointing. He's got a plan for your life. My friend, my friend grew up without a family in church that called me about what's the clarity of this. He had been sort of adopted out of, the, out of, out of, out of, uh, of wasn't raised in the church. Wasn't raised in the church. The preacher that I said was in transition with darkness around him. And uh, when the Lord spoke to me and said, Nabal was a distraction to David when he was being anointed in transition to become the king. When I went and studied this and found what Nabal had said, Oh, you got to listen to the story. It even gets better. Y'all have a little time? Oh, my land. Y'all have time? You promise you got a little time? Listen, if you stay, the Lord will let you sleep better tonight and get more in in a short amount of time. Amen? You get more of the food that you won't eat. That didn't make any sense. Eat some good cereal. It'll bless you. Ask the Lord to turn it into a carrot and broccoli. Watch, watch. David with the caravan of, of, a, of a few hundred men is going to go kill a voice that doesn't matter. It wasn't Nabal's voice really he's chasing. Yeah, logically, yes. It's the voice within he can't get away from. You don't belong. You're not the son of Jesse. You're not good enough to be the king. That's the voice within that he can't get to the highest mountain. He, he, he can't get to the furthest cave. The cave's not deep enough. The mountain's not high enough. The river's not wide enough to get away from this. You're not good enough. And now David's going to kill any voice that fuels it. And he is running after a no-name person chasing this. And he's galloping. He's with a sword in the hand. A whole crew of men galloping afterwards. But the Bible says that Abigail heard what was going to happen. His wife that's of a beautiful countenance, a great demeanor, a sweet spirit. Somebody told her, said, have you heard... Have I heard what? Have you heard who was here? Who was here? David sent his men. He's out in the wilderness of Piran. All he asked was for some food. And do you know what your... I'm getting ready to say, do you know what your husband... But that didn't come out wrong. <laughs> do you know what your husband... That's talking about me. I'm going to you. Amen. <laughs> I'm laughing at my own jokes tonight, amen. I need some cereal. <laughs> hey, listen. Do you know what your husband said? Oh, what he said? He said, who's David? He railed on David, have you heard? He's got a whole bunch of men with him that are warriors. 
that are coming to destroy every single male thing here. Now, she's wise. She said, we got to try to stop this. She got the people together, and, and uh, they prepared a meal for David. She realized he's hungry. One way to get the attention of a man is to feed him. Watch what she does. The Bible says that Abigail made haste. She took 200 loaves and two bottles of wine, five sheep ready dressed, five measures, parched corn, 100 clusters of raisins, 200 cakes of figs, and laid them on the asses or the donkeys. And she went after him. Somewhere between Nabal's house and the intersection from Peron, she is in haste. If you can picture with me, several, several donkeys loaded down with burdens of food, leading them on the way to go stop David from killing everything at her house. All of a sudden, she can hear the hoof prints coming of an angry captain followed by loyal men. She makes her way to the intersection there. There's a dust cloud behind her and them. And somehow she stops. And when, the, when he stops and sees this woman that's getting his attention, the Bible says she slid off of that donkey down on her knees. And this is what she says. Stop! David! Are you ready? Would you hearken unto my voice? Because there's not just a Nabal voice in every transition. There's always going to be another voice. There's not just going to be one that speaks to your insecurity. There will always be a voice that speaks to your prophecy and your promise. And she says, are you ready? She says, don't pay any attention to my husband. He is what his name means. That's what she says. You know what Nabal means? A fool. She's married to him long enough. She knew him. Don't listen to him. <laughs> we need somebody that says you need to listen to me and quit listening to that fool. Quit listening to the voice of this. And this is what she says. She said, if you go and kill him, she said, you're still gonna be the king, but you're gonna have regret. She said, but let me tell you who you are. You are the king. And when she began to speak, there came this great comfort over him that he calmed down. He took the food. He turned around and went back to where the soldiers were. And he ate and moved on. And he became exactly what she said he was going to become. And in every transition, you have a choice. Are you going to listen to the one that speaks to the failures of yesterday? To the insecurities and abuses of the past? Because he knows what happened. How many know the devil knows? Are you going to listen to the one voice that says, you don't have to die in your dilemma? <laughs> Somebody say, man, I've got greatness ahead of you. Come on, there's a voice in here tonight. I could end preaching here, but I feel this in the spirit. Are you okay? Everybody say, there's two voices in every transition. I called that pastor back when I got revelation the next day. I said, I've got to talk to you. I said, I asked the Lord, why was that darkness you were feeling a distraction? I said, the Lord told me that Nabal was a, 
destruction to David when he was transitioned to be the king. And I told him what I told you tonight about what Nabal said and the insecurity that he felt and how Abigail came and said, you are going to be. Don't you listen to that voice. You're going to be. He starts crying so hard. He pulls off the highway on the side of the road and he is welling. This pastor, if I mentioned his name, most of you probably wouldn't know who he is. Powerful preacher. And he starts welling and crying. And when he's able to talk, he said, you're not going to believe what happened. He said, would you believe one of, the, one of the ministers in the church walked up to me when I was announced to be the pastor and they said, who do you think you are to be the pastor of this church? You're a nobody. You weren't raised in this church. And when he walked away, that man's wife walked to me and said, don't you listen to my husband. You are who God said you are. You are the pastor of this church. Come on. It was so tailored for this situation and I've come to understand that there is parallels between Jesus and David. Amen. There are parallels. How many believe there's parallels between Jesus and David? You'll find that Abigail goes home and she says to her husband, she goes to tell him, I saved you, but he's so drunk. The Bible says he's, he, 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 he was drunken because he threw a party as if it was for kings. I don't have time to read it all. Y'all gonna read it later. He was, he, it was jealousy that had fueled that. And he, he's drunk. He wakes up the next morning. The Bible says when the wine was lifted from him, she walks in that bedroom and she said, she said, I saved, this is, this is in West Virginia vernacular. Are y'all ready? I saved your sorry hide last night. <laughs> David the giant killer was coming to kill you and I, I cooked him a bunch of food because you read on him. You said these things, and the Bible says that when she told him that, that his heart hardened, and 10 days later, he died. 10 days later, God killed him. What I'm telling you right now, all of you, for the rest of your life, you're gonna deal with transitions. Grandbabies, job changes, Ministry changes, you're gonna move, you're gonna deal with transitions, but you need to take what I'm preaching to you tonight and realize something. We've all come from something. We've all had insecurities. We've all had broken moments, but you cannot let the voices without feed the negative voice within. You gotta get a hold of to God's unchanging hand and hear the voice that really matters. Hey, God's gonna bless me. I wish somebody would jump to your feet and say, it's gonna be better than it's ever been. Our family, our children are gonna live for God. Oh. I wish you would say that our children are going to be saved. Our children will not be lost. God's going to do a work. It's either Nabal or it's Abigail. I want everybody to hold out two hands and say it's either Nabal or it's Abigail. What do you do with Nabal? Nothing. Quit chasing Nabal. What do you do with that? What do you do when you're a widow and somebody comes up and says something negative? What do you do when you're at a loss? Something happens with your children. Some brokenness and somebody's got a negative report. What do you do? Absolutely nothing. Eat your fig newtons. Get your raisin cakes. He's talking about wine, but don't drink wine. Amen. Go home and listen to what Abigail says. I'm going to be what God says I'm going to be. 
God's going to. I'm telling you, the voice you listen to is the voice that's going to impact. I'm going to listen to what God said. Come on, I'm going to listen to what the Lord said. My mistake is not final. My failure is not final. Come on, I wish there was a shout in this building. Remain standing. My, 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 the teaching of here today. Don't listen to your past. Listen to your future. Because if you listen to your past, you'll, follow, you'll go back to your past. But if you listen to your future, your, your future will pull you to it. Whatever voice you listen to is the direction you're going to go. Did you hear me? I want you to look at your neighbor and tell them, if you listen to the voice of the past, you'll go back. I'm helping you tonight. But if you listen to the voice of your future, it will pull you to your promise. Look at your neighbor and say, let Nabal die and go marry Abigail. That's what he did. Go marry, look at your neighbor and say, marry Abigail. Don't misinterpret that now. You embrace Abigail's voice. What it's saying in typology is you make a covenant with that voice because it's the right voice. My concern in the building tonight is you make covenants with the wrong voices. Because sometimes, if you're not careful, you become addicted to the insecurities of your own inner voice. How many know it's true? Addicted to drama. Listen, I don't have a have a counseling degree, but I've done enough to have some level of something on the degree scale. Comes addictive. Anger becomes addictive. Fighting becomes addictive. Talking about what you went through becomes addictive. Leave it alone. Say, I'm going to listen to some preaching. I'm going to listen to some prophecy. I'm going to listen to the prophet of God. Somebody shout, I am blessed. I have been blessed. And I got a lot more blessing coming to me. Jesus, our perfect example, and I don't know where the music is, but they left me up here all by myself. They said, I don't know how long pastor's going to go tonight. It's Wednesday. We ought to have been out of here 10 minutes ago. Jesus, there's much parallel between David and Jesus. Much parallel. Jesus was perfect in all of his ways. Never felt like David failed. But you know that Jesus grew up in a house and they didn't believe he was the actual son of God? Did you know that? Do you know that the Bible tells us in the book of John that his brethren did not believe in him? You know what that meant? For the Orwig, that meant they believed their mother was a liar. That's what that meant. Because they were grow, grew up in Galilee. And Jesus could only do some miracles in Galilee because they didn't believe in him. His own biological brethren were persuaded by the community to say that Mary was lying when she said she was conceived of the Holy Ghost and that he was born, born of God. It's the truth. Saying that Mary and Joseph had covered it up and his own brethren didn't believe he was the son of God. Matter of fact, you'll find that his own brethren, when Jesus was hiding from the crowd, not out of fear, but out of, it wasn't his time yet. And they said, how are you going to become famous hiding in this house? Why don't you go out in the street and show your, to the Jewry your, your public ministry? Because they knew he would die if he went out there. 
his own brethren grew up in a house that his own brethren rejected him rejected by the community he lived in sound familiar and all of a sudden though there's a man by the name of John the Baptist that no doubt he's a prophet Jesus is walking down the road one day and John is out there baptizing people preparing the way of the Lord and he stops one day right in the middle of a sermon when he sees him he said behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sea the sin of the world and Jesus walks down into Bethabara this place this spot in the Jordan River and when he gets down there John baptizes him and when he does there's a voice when it comes up out of the water. There's a voice that says out of heaven, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. For the first time in years, besides the voice of his mother, somewhere I personally believe his, da his dad, Joseph, died at an early age. Great man, but was gone. But it seemed like the only voice was the mother until now. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Are you ready? He's transitioning from being the son of Joseph to the son of God. From being a carpenter's son to, to his ministry. His ministry didn't start until age 30. And he comes out of the water and starts his ministry. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That's Matthew chapter 3. Chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. This is what happens. Satan appears to him in the wilderness and says, If thou be the son of God. Because in every transition, there's two voices. When God's going to take you to another level of blessing, voices are coming. Which one are you going to embrace? Who do you think you are? Who is David? Who you think you are in the house of God? Who is the son of Jesse? Who is the son of God? If thou be the son of God. Later, Jesus, in a moment, and I don't want to ever make him sound weak, but certainly he was our example. He never failed, made a mistake in any way, shape, or form. But I do think he, he teaches us through transparency to make us feel real. He asked his disciples one time, he said, Who do men say that I, the son of man, am? Oh, um, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say that you're Elias or Isaiah or one of the prophets. Oh, no, 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 no. Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said, Thou art the Christ. Are you ready? The Son of the living God. What's, what's the response? Oh, blessed are thou, Simon Virgil. Blessed are thou. For flesh and blood are not revealed unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom transition to have a voice that states who God says he is are you with me be careful to receive friends that try to tell you you're not what God says you are oh I don't know I feel this I, I don't ever preach this long on a Wednesday you know that but be careful to listen to music that feeds that voice within and to watch music and to watch videos that feed the voice within whether you like it or not, you're going to have a voice within. Anybody relate with what I'm preaching about tonight? Anybody? I got my hand up. He's hanging on a cross. He's transitioning from earth to heaven. 
his final moment, fulfillment of his purpose is hanging at Calvary. And guess what you have him? You have him hanging between two voices. He's got one on the one side saying, if thou be the son of God, save yourself and us. Oh, but that's not the only voice. There's one hanging on the other side saying, hold on a minute. We get what we deserve justly. But this man has done nothing to deserve the cross. And he says, will you remember me when you come into the kingdom? You know what he was saying? You are the son of God. You do have a kingdom. And what did Jesus say? Which one did Jesus respond to? see a response to this voice he leans around one of those moments <laughs> today thou shalt be with me in paradise you know what he was saying I'm taking this voice with me Your rejection is not final. Your abandonment is not final. You can love your children when you were not loved. You can care for your children even though you had a past of abuse to you. You can be faithful, great, loving, kind, loyal with all the fruit of the Spirit. But you need to make a decision in this room I'm not going to live the rest of my life based on what happened to me 20 years ago come on I am preaching in this room on a Wednesday night because of what God dealt with me early this morning in prayer he said you pray a protection from the preservation from the voice within there's a voice within right now come on how many deals with this be honest with pastor right now I, I realize the works tomorrow we all work hard I get up early every morning but I feel something in this room that somebody says, I'm, gonna, I'm letting go of the wrong voice. And tonight I'm making a covenant with the right voice. Samuel died and David arose. He had to make a choice between two voices on that day. I'm so glad he married Abigail. Come on, anybody going to embrace the prophetic voice of God? Come on, lift your hands all over the building. Would you do that? Lift your hands all over the building. I preach to you the word of the Lord. Come on, you beat yourself up over a mistake years ago. You beat yourself up. Nobody else is. You are the voice within. <laughs> Today I change. Today I make a covenant with God. I'm only going to listen to the right voices. I'm only going to listen to the right thing that fuels the faith within me instead of the insecurity inside of me. Come on, you can trust again. You can love again. You can be used of God again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God's calling you right now. 
I wish there was such transparency and carefree in this room that we said all that matters right now what God's going to do in my future that I don't care what anybody else thinks about me. I'm going to go embrace the voice of God in this altar tonight. Come on. If, if this is your first time here or a thousandth service, it doesn't matter. Tonight I'm embracing the voice of Samuel echoed by Abigail. Certainly originated from the Lord tonight. Press toward the mark of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. I'm not living in the past of yesterday. Come on, God has given you a prophetic touch of the Lord in this room, even now. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.